Christian in the Campus is a podcast of the Rebels for Christ Campus Ministry. The college campus is a world of competing stories vying for students' attention and allegiance. The goal of this podcast is to orient students towards Christ in this brave new world so that we can bring about a revolution of redemption on the University of Mississippi and Northwest Community College campuses. Hi, you're listening to the Christian in the Campus podcast, and I'm lucky to be here with Hannah Parmalee, who I think I first encountered as a student, um, probably at Gulf Coast Getaway, which if you don't know, is a retreat for uh, campus ministries um, down in Panama City Beach. And I'm pretty sure she taught a class at Gulf Coast Getaway or the Campus for Christ Conference. And that was my first encounter with her. And it was fantastic. She's extremely insightful. She is wise. She is um, a campus minister at the University of Arizona State in Tempe, Arizona, but um, she can introduce herself a lot better than I can. So I'm going to turn it over to Hannah uh, and let her tell you about herself before we, and that's my dog, um, before we jump into the text. Oh, thank you so much, Ben. It's good to be be with you. I love this idea. I love what you're doing for the summer for the students. So thank you so much for inviting me. Yes, as you said, I'm, I'm the campus minister um, for OASIS is the name of our, our campus ministry at ASU, Arizona State University. And I love getting to do that. We've been here almost four years. Um, my husband, Jay, and I have been married. It'll be 19 years next month. And we've got three little girls um, that are, I guess, not so little anymore, um, 14, 12, and 6. Um, so they're, they're a joy and a delight. And I have a wonderful team um, working with me with OASIS. I'm very thankful um, for this, this space, and I get, love getting to be with our students. And you uh, just, I mean, our listeners might care. Uh, you were Pepperdine, right, is where you did your undergrad work, and you're involved in that campus ministry as well. Uh, yeah. I don't remember exactly what you did because the campus ministry, you started doing campus ministry fairly recently. I mean, semi-recently, right? Um, yeah. So I, um, yeah, I did my undergraduate at Pepperdine. I was involved um, in that ministry when Scott Lambert and Linda Trushke um, were leading that. Um, Love them. And then I um, went to Fuller Theological Seminary and did a master's in marriage and family therapy. Um, which was wonderful. Um, did some private practice, um, seeing clients, and then worked at Pepperdine University for 12 years, um, developing a ministry program um, and psychoeducational program called Relationship IQ. So I taught um, college students relationship skills um, for 12 years and, and how that connects with our relationship with God and then felt uh, God's call. Um, yeah. If you're a college student, you should really listen to this podcast. Because I guarantee you, if you're an incoming freshman, you need relationship IQ. And I think that is the first thing I actually heard you, heard you do was relationship IQ thing. So um, uh, I, I, if you're listening, don't, don't hang up this podcast. Don't turn it off. Hear what Hannah has to say, because it, it's going to have a lot of wisdom and a lot of practical uh, knowledge that you need uh, to navigate your college here. So, um, well, let's go and jump in. Uh, when I asked Hannah what she thought was uh, the most important text that college students need to, to encounter and, and grapple with and, and, and um, come to understand on a deeper level um, during the college year so they can live out a Christian faith on the college campus, uh, she pointed me to Colossians 3, verses 1 through 17. Um, and so I'm going to turn over to you, Hannah. Uh, unpack this text for us, right? What are the key words and important phrases? Uh, what does this passage mean in general? Uh, and what does it mean to you in particular? Why is it personally uh, important to you? And, and then finally, you know, what, what are maybe some ways it connects to the rest of scripture and, and the entire narrative uh, of scripture? So I'll turn it over to you and I'm excited to hear what you have to say about Colossians 3. 
Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I love this passage. I'm really excited to get to, to talk about it. Colossians 3, 1 through 17, um, I think is Paul's beautiful picture of what life with Christ is. Um, and I think this passage is so important for us as Christians to take seriously as a vision for um, what is Jesus inviting us into. So starting with verse one. So if you have been raised with Christ, so right from the beginning, we're talking about, this is for Christians, people that have taken on Christ. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Okay, so right from the beginning, um, for Christians, and that we are to set our minds to think about deeply the things of God, the things that God cares about, um, to, to put our energy and our focus on the things of God, on kingdom things. Um, and you hear this in Jesus's language in the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added. Um, so, so Jesus's words of seek first the kingdom, Paul's language, uh, set your mind on things above. And then in Philippians 4, 8, Paul gives this beautiful thing of, okay, what does that look like? What are the things of God that we are setting our minds on? And um, he says, whatever is, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What are we setting our minds on? So in our university um, setting, in our college life, we are setting our minds on many things. We are encouraged to think deeply about our studies. And I want us to take very seriously thinking deeply about the things of God, setting our minds on the things that are above. What does God care about? Where is his heart um, set? To whom is his heart set? Um, what are these good, beautiful, noble, pure, lovely things? that we are setting our minds on. All right, so set our minds on the things above where Christ is, um, not on things that are on earth. And then verse three, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Christ, is our life. As a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus, our lives are about following Christ. Our lives are found in him, our lives are through him, our lives are because of him. Um, we, and, and because of that, we are understood only in the context of Christ. So our lives are going to, if we're, if we're truly disciples of Jesus, if we're really following after him and learning to live our lives the way he would live them if he were in our place. So if Jesus was in my place, married to my husband Jay, has three daughters, campus minister in Tempe, Arizona, what would Jesus be doing? This is discipleship. So for Ben, <laughs> you as a disciple of Jesus get to figure out what does it look like for Jesus 
um, to be living your real life, not some imagined life, but to be living your real life. And when, and when we are living our lives, not first century Palestine life, when we're living our lives as disciples of Jesus, our lives are often not completely understood by the world around us because we do crazy things like loving our enemies and doing good to those that hate us because we do crazy things like showing compassion to people who the world despises. Our lives don't make sense. I left Malibu <laughs> for the desert. Our lives don't make sense. <laughs> so our lives are hidden with Christ because Christ is our life. And when, when Jesus is known, when Christ is revealed, then we are understood. As people come to know Jesus better, hopefully our lives make more sense to him. To him. Um, and so, okay, one of the things that I think is so central for our, our life as Christians, regardless of stage of life, and particularly in the college years, is that we come to realize that, that Jesus, that God is our audience of one. That we are not living our life for other people. Not for their approval, not for their recognition, not to be better known and understood by them. God is our audience of one. Um, and when we do that, we live into an immense freedom that we do not get by trying to gain other people's approval. So I could go on and on about that, but I'll, I'll, kinda, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it there. So our lives are hidden with Christ in God. And when Jesus is revealed, then we too are known. Um, this, is, this is central for who we are um, as Christians. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. All right, so what does that look like? So Paul goes on, okay, what does this mean? Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to each other, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices. All right, we're gonna pause there. So Paul gives us this picture of, okay, this is how it looks when you're not in Christ. Um, these, these are hallmarks of that. When life is not lived in Christ, this is what the old self looks like. Um, and, and so we instead are going to do something different. Um, but I think one thing that's really helpful with this is that these give us red flags of when we are, of what to notice in our lives when, when we're not living in Christ. Um, so that word fornication, sex outside of marriage, that's all that means. Uh, one of the red flags, anger, one of the red flags, malice, intending someone's ill. Um, another thing I want to call our attention to is that Jesus talks about these very things in the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus talks about what it is to live as a kingdom person, 
he says, do not, um, do not approach someone in anger. Um, do not use your words to manipulate other people. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Um, so I just, I love that parallel to really look seriously at Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus's words about what it looks like to live as a kingdom person. And Paul calls it out here. Um, that's an old self way. So instead, what is the new self? Um, and I really want to encourage us to keep in mind that the ways of God lead us to life and freedom and joy. And so these old self ways that, um, that are often associated with fun or playfulness or just being crazy or um, sometimes, which I think uh, is completely inaccurate, leading to the authentic self, um, <laughs> that, that those are the ways that lead us towards destruction, that lead us away from this vibrant life with God. Um, in his kingdom. So instead, okay, so we have um, um, stripped off the old self with its practices, verse 10, and have clothed yourself with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there's no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. So we're clothing ourselves with this new self, which he goes into what this looks like um, here in just a minute. And we're being renewed in knowledge. This is a journey. This is a process um, of taking off the old self and being made new. So Jesus says um, in Mark 1, um, he brings the good news to the people and he says, um, the time has been fulfilled. Everything has been taken care of. The repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is available to you. This word repent, this rethink your life, this turnaround, this, this taking off of the old self, rethinking again and again and again what the world has said is the way to live and learning to live in the kingdom of God because that is the abundant eternal life that we're offered. Um, so we live in this new self. And this I think is the heart of discipleship how we are learning to live as a new creation, to learn, learning to live this life with Jesus as people who are being deeply transformed into his likeness, to actually learn to live like Christ. Um, and, and actually desiring to live according to the image of our creator, um, this transformation into Christ's likeness. Um, that all of our life is directed there. Um, our will, our thoughts, our emotions, our mo the movements of our body, our actions, all of this directed towards this renewed self become more and more like Jesus. Um, okay, so how do, how do we do this? What does this look like? Verse 12, as God's chosen ones. Oh, don't you love that? God chooses us holy and beloved. Do we take on that identity as disciples of Jesus? 
wanted, cherished, loved by God, and holy, other, different, because we are taking on the image of the Creator. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. What a beautiful picture of the children of God. As disciples, these are the things that we should be known for, to be known by our compassion instead of our hate, to be known by our kindness instead of our malice, to be known by humility instead of arrogance, to be known by meekness instead of forceful power to manipulate and control other people, and to be known by patience instead of an ego that just needs to get it done. <laughs> um, bear with one another. Man, we need this word, don't we? In our polarized place of society right now, to bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, to forgive each other? And why do we forgive? How do we forgive? Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, above all, oh man, we got to pay attention to this. Above all, man, all that good stuff above it, clothe yourself with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. God's love is powerful. God's love is incredibly powerful. It holds and it binds all things. I think about how God has this open wounded heart of love for humanity. This heart that is able to hold all of the pain, all of the sorrow, all of the evil, and to surround it and to feel it, to sorrow with it, and to not be overcome by it, but to feel it deeply, and for it to be surrounded, held together by his love that heals, that redeems, that unites, that makes good what is not, that has the power and potential to restore. This love that binds all things together in perfect harmony. And what does this do? There, and it lets, verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body, and be thankful. When we are living as disciples of Jesus, when we are clothing ourselves in all of this goodness of God, when we are taking off that old self, when we are in Christ, our lives hidden with him, the rule of our hearts is peace. Not chaos, not anxiety, not loneliness. It's peace. It's powerful. God's peace that surpasses all understanding. And we live in a space of gratitude, of thanksgiving. Let the word of Christ dwell in you 
richly. Think about these things, right? The word of Christ dwelling in you richly. It abides, this abiding presence of Christ um, within us. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. If this is who we are, this is who we really are living as disciples, what else would we do? But to teach and encourage one another with wisdom. This is the way of God. Um, and with gratitude in your hearts, the natural outpouring is to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God. This is just the natural posture that overflows out of us because of the goodness of God. What else is going to come out of us? This is the goodness of God being expressed through us. And whatever you do in word and what you say or deed and what you, your behavior and your actions, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is the natural posture again, right? If we are disciples living this life embedded in Christ, of course, everything we say and do is going to be um, for the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So that's my love of this passage. <laughs> um, well, that, that was amazing. Thank you for, for walking us through that. And um, gosh, I took an inordinate amount of notes when you're doing that. But just a few things that stood out to me, um, and, and, and as we've talked about this, um, that I just kind of want to follow up on. You talked about the idea in college, we set our minds on a lot of things. Um, but Paul t sets, uh, tells us to set our minds on things above, to set our minds on Christ. Um, and so um, I guess like, in what ways do you think that this passage helps us deepen and, and, and sharpen and, and, and critique our, our Christian worldview as we engage the many stories uh, that are competing for our attention and allegiance on campus? Mm, yeah, great question. I think one of the, the difficult things about um, what's often a typical Christian worldview is that for some reason, Often Christians have disassociated their faith and their relationship with God from different aspects of their life mm. and thought, well, maybe God doesn't have something to say here, or maybe I just don't need to listen, or, or maybe it's just too hard, or maybe Jesus wasn't really serious about that. It was just kind of pretty words, and we can ignore them. Um, Instead of really taking seriously Jesus's teaching about what it is to live as a kingdom person. And that's what I think Paul is drawing out here. What does it really mean to live as a kingdom person? And this is a high vision for what is actually possible for a real human life mm -hmm. abiding in Christ. Yeah. Um, that this isn't just some, some dream for some heaven in the future. Mm -hmm. but this is who we are actually able to be in Christ. Yeah. 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 That, uh, I mean, that's beautiful. The, um, I guess like, um, in, in, in a, in a similar vein, um, that kind of challenges us as Christians to, to actually live out this faith to which we've been called. Um, but I guess in, in, in a, on the other side of that coin, um, how does this passage, especially that bit, um, that, and Paul is talking about, um, goodness, I think in uh, starting in five, 
um, the, the earthly nature. In what ways does this, this passage um, challenge uh, the current culture of college campuses, right? Um, and what were the areas, I guess, of, of the current culture of college campuses that, that, that this passage is critiquing and, and challenging and, and, and inviting us as Christians to push against with love and kindness? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think this is, is especially appropriate for our college campuses because we see so much of what um, Paul describes as the old self. Um, just to be rampant um, in the in what has been normalized as college culture, um, and uh, so looking at um, at the culture around sex is it has a very um, different view of what sex is and what sex is for than the kingdom of God's view mm -hmm. um, and how God has created us. For sexual relationship and what what brings goodness in life versus death and destruction, um, both to our relationships. I've got a whole lesson on this. It might be one of the Gulf Coast getaway uh, getaway ones that I <laughs> talked on. Uh, that's a huge issue um, in our camp on our campuses and one that's hard as a student to to swim in a different direction from, and to really take seriously that God's. Um, God's desire for um, sex to be within marriage is a good and beautiful gift. Mm -hmm. um, not just a um, like, hey, don't do that type of like condemning little thing that is just ruining our fun. Um, but God actually knows what brings life and life abundant. Um, and then looking at um, evil desire and greed, um, one of the the things that I see just so prevalent in our college campuses is um, you are there to build your brand, mm -hmm. to get the skills you need, to get the good job, to make the money. And there's a lot of push, even from parents, to be in a major that is going to make you the most money so that you can be a stable, independent, have a good life. <laughs> and kingdom culture does not advocate for that. Mm -hmm. um, it, the idolatry, which Paul points out, <laughs> of, of greed, of wanting to be self-sufficient yeah. and not dependent upon God, of putting money, of putting um, position mm -hmm. above who we are as children of God, that, that is all the idol idolatry um, that, that Paul talks about here, Jesus talks about yeah. um, frequently too. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the idea of like um, uh, the things that we sacrifice on that altar of, of being gainfully employed <laughs> with the job that we like that gives us meaning and purpose after graduating is, I mean, the amount of things that college students sacrifice on that altar is just it's, uh, insane. And so if you're an incoming student, like, just be aware. I mean, it's, it's something you're going to face. So be aware of it coming in, you know, just at least be aware that it's going to happen. And so you might see it. Um, one, one other thing that, that you said in, in, this, um, as in this section that I love, uh, well, two, two things. Uh, a, just how it's so often, some of these things are, 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 are cloaked in, um, well, this is my authentic self. Um, and how that makes it very dangerous because that sounds good. Uh, even to Christians, that sounds good. Uh, so how do we maybe like, think about that and maybe navigate that as Christians. And then also too, just, I loved your phrasing of 
Uh, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Stop trying to manipulate people with your words. <laughs> um, why is it so hard for us? I mean, it's just something we I think we all struggle with, uh, especially, yeah. So just any thoughts on, on those? Just thought I'd follow up with those because I thought those were fantastic points. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For that first part about authentic self, authenticity is good. Authenticity, transparency, being who God has, has uniquely created you to be is beautiful and wonderful. And what um, our culture has done with authenticity is twisted it um, mm -hmm. to be um, something that actually brings destruction. Um, and oh gosh, there's so much to say. Okay, succinctly, um, our identity, <laughs> when it's wrapped around us and how I feel in a moment, leads us to have a very shaky foundation because no one is consistent in and of themselves. We have different thoughts. We are constantly growing. Our feelings are all over the place, depending on our experience, depending on our uh, chemical makeup, depending on other people's reactions around us. It is a sandy foundation to use one of Jesus's parables, you will get tossed by the storms of life there. And we see it all the time. Um, God is our secure foundation. And we are created by God in his love for his love. And that is the identity that is never shaken. And so as I learn to live more and more of, in the abiding love of God, I discover more and more authentically who I actually am, not tossed by other people's opinions, not tossed by circumstances of life, but in the sustainer and creator of the world, I discover who God has uniquely made me to be. And I live more creatively and fully into who I am and am free of the things that um, suppress people, that cause oppression amongst people. Um, I am free of those things when I live into the love of God instead of being um, held tight by other people's opinions, held tight by how other people interact with me, um, held tight by my own anger that I just can't get past, towards my own prejudice, towards my own whatever it is, as God frees me to be more authentically myself, I find true freedom. Everything else enslaves us. Man. Students, listen to that. Um, <laughs> repeat that. Just go and rewind a couple, couple times and listen to that over and over again. Um, well, for, for, for time's sake, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually push forward and not allow you to answer the question on let your yes be yes and your no be no. But students, just hear that as well and live it. Um, all right. So, um, two, two questions to, to, to close because, because we are, we are kind of, we're, we're pushing time. Um, We've kind of talked about the way this challenges us, but I guess what is the good news of this passage uh, for, for college students? Um, and, and what would a campus ministry look like if they lived into this passage the way you've laid it out for us? Yeah. The good news is that we can actually be a new creation. Hmm. That we, because of Jesus, are no longer um, 
slaves to sin and death. We are no longer stuck in these things um, that, that lead to death. I don't have to live my life angry. <laughs> I don't have to live my life um, with abusive language. I don't have to live my life lying. I can actually be free and learn to be through relationship with Jesus, a person that is defined by love, that lives in compassion and kindness, that lives in forgiveness, um, that, that has a heart ruled by peace instead of chaos. Mm-hmm. That is an incredible picture of what life actually can be with God. And it's true. And that is incredibly good news that Jesus right now, right here makes a difference. Jesus not only is my good news for eternity someday, but is the good news of the everyday little moments of my life. Yeah, that's beautiful. And then if we lived like this as a community, I mean, can you imagine being in a community of disciples of Jesus who the, the tone of the community is peace and love and compassion and patience and forgiveness, people would be banging down the doors to come be part of us. That's, that is the beauty of the divine community that Jesus says, come, let's be this together. Be my good news, actually be good news in people's lives. And they'll see me then. They will know you're my disciples by your love. Well, that, thank you for, for just the whole, whole thing uh, and, and uh, for returning students. Uh, I hope that we get to be a ministry that does that this year uh, on the Ole Miss campus. And uh, if you're a new student, I know that that's this, what Hannah just said, it, it's our goal. Uh, and so we'd love for you to come and, and try this whole Christianity, Christianity thing out with us. Uh, but thank you, Hannah, uh, for your time and, and for your wisdom that you shared with us. And um, I hope God blesses the Oasis Campus Ministry this upcoming fall semester as well. Thank you so much. Thanks for getting to to chat today. Appreciate it.